We're going to talk NBA and we're going to talk NBA beef. But first, another kind of beef. The David Chang Show, a great chef, is now a part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Episode two is coming this week. And episode one is already live. He's talking about what it's like to start a restaurant. He and Bill Simmons go back and forth. And there's so much more to come on that feed. It'll be many people you've heard of, many people you haven't. And I highly recommend listening. Chang is one of the most creative and interesting people in culture right now. So check it out. And while you're online on your phone, who knows, bone up on the NBA draft. It's coming. It's The draft lottery is in two weeks. The draft itself is in in just a month, basically. And it's time to learn who you want for your team. Listen, we can't all get the number one pick. You know, we can't all have Luka Doncic. We can't all have DeAndre Ayton. But this is a pretty stacked class. I think it's going under the radar. So let our guys, Jonathan Charks, Kevin O'Connor, Danny Chow, tell you who you should want. Go to nbadraft.theringer.com. Check it out. We've got scouting reports. We got mocks coming. We've got a lot planned for you. So again, it's nbadraft.theringer.com, and you'll learn so much about who you want for your team. Okay, and now it's time for sources say. We want, yeah. <laughs> they suck, yeah. We here. Yeah. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Hello, what's that sound? It's time for an emergency sources say. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm Juliette Littman. And we're joined by Shay Serrano. Shay, what up? I'm Shay Serrano. Uh, I guess this is a modified. (laughs) It's a modified (laughs) sources say today, right, Juliette? (laughs) It's modified because. There's just a barn burner coming out of the state of Texas. We really wanted to talk to Shay <laughs> about this, the Lone Star state of Kawhi Leonard. Um, because yesterday on ESPN, there was a big report on the state of Kawhi with the Spurs kind of going through the entire crazy season with uh, his injury, with his relationship to Greg Popovich and the team, with his many agents and managers and doctors and where those doctors also work. And we're going to get into all that. But first, I think we should probably talk a little bit about Tuesday Tuesday night's um, game between the Raptors and the Cavs, at least. What a heartbreak. It was a classic of a sort. Of a sort? Yeah. It was like, a- it felt like, a, <laughs> felt like being transported to the year 2014, basically. Yeah. Or really any year of the past three years. They bring out kind of the worst in each other in a way that it's not like they like behave badly, but they actually like reduce each other to their basis instincts. And for the Cavs, that's like relying heavily on LeBron James. And for the Raptors, that's choking. Uh, Shay, what did you think of the game last night? I thought it was very, very sad and also very appropriate. As soon as the game started, the Raptors went up by like 14, but they didn't go up by 24. You go like, oh, this is going to end very, very badly for the Raptors. And then it was, you know, eight in the fourth quarter, five in the fourth quarter, three in the fourth quarter, and the Cavs missed ten shots in a row. And this is, here we go. I've seen this movie before. This is exactly what it felt like. And then it happened. It's such a bummer when it's happening with Jeff Green, though, and, like, not Kyrie Irving. Yeah. When, when, when you're relying, I mean, it was, like, a good, like, team effort last night. I guess I guess Ty Lue's biggest contribution was the DNP for Larry Nance. Yeah, I mean, it, it was <laughs> it's, it's strange now that we're, it is very 2014 in that, like, Ty Lue's chess move is Tristan Thompson. And that, right. that's, that's about it. It's like, <laughs> are you going to play Tristan? When will you play Tristan? Oh, Tristan's working. Now you're a genius. And the narrative coming out of the game was that this was the game that LeBron's teammates won. But 
they still needed him. He uh, still had like 27, didn't he? Yeah, and they shot 48% with him on the floor and 15%. And they shot 15% when he was off the pl- floor. So this idea that like somehow this was the Jeff Green, Tristan Thompson, Kyle Korver game is kind of a little bit off. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And also Korver's actually been pretty pretty good. I wouldn't say his contributions are huge, but you, you feel a Korver 3 acutely these days maybe because there's so few other contributions being being given. Shay, there's this thing in basketball sometimes I like to watch, especially with the star players. And it doesn't even have to be like because of physical confrontations, but it's basically this idea of like having a bodyguard on the floor. And I definitely <clears throat> think that Tristan is LeBron's bodyguard. He sets better screens. He's way more effective when they're running that like LeBron stands on one side of the floor and everybody else stands on the other side of the floor. He's such right. a good offensive rebounder that that's like what you don't need to like some good like average shooter out there you need Tristan and two or three other good shooters with LeBron because Tristan can actually like out rebound Valanciunas one-on-one what did you think of Tristan last night because he's obviously been a much maligned figure both in popular culture and in the NBA this these last couple months I am very as far as basketball only I'm very pro Tristan Thompson um, you can always tell when he's going to try hard in the game. Like if there's a point in the first or second quarter where he commits an over-the-back foul trying to get a rebound, then you know he's fucking here for business tonight. And that's exactly what happened last night. He's diving all over the place. So you commit an offensive foul, and you go like, all right, Tristan is in this game, so there's a, you know there's a, a chance here. But yeah, I'm I'm pro Tristan. He deep. looks he looks just enough like Michael B. Jordan that I can't get away from him. That's deeply offensive to Juliet. That's really offensive. Also, when I look at Jason Tatum, I see Michael B. That's 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 the closest comp for me. I just want to say Tristan Thompson can't afford to take any game off because Kim Kardashian was the emissary sent by Team Kardashian to like officially comment on the Chloe situation, and she went on Ellen this week and was just like. They just talked about like how heartbroken they all were, and Kim was like, "Yeah, I was fucked up." So the the official statement from Team Kardashian is like, "We're out on Tristan. This is fucked up." But in case you all were wondering, <clears throat> Chloe is still in Cleveland. She's just trying to like catch a breath, enjoy her daughter, and like see what's next. But Tristan Thompson is like playing playing for his fame right now. It's not only about being good at basketball; it's about remaining relevant. Because if LeBron leaves. Chloe leaves and Tristan's just stuck in Cleveland. Like, what does he have? I feel like Tristan Thompson's pretty close to getting into the the James the James Jones class. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if like wherever LeBron goes next, he orchestrates a deal for Tristan. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if it runs that deep. You do you think he's he's skeptical about him? Kevin loves not setting screens like that. Tristan seems to get more powerful. He's like a video game character. He gets more powerful with every screen he sets. And whatever is going on out there, he basically would just jumped inside of Jonas's head last night in the fourth quarter. But here's the thing about James Jones and Mike Miller. They never had a tabloid scandal. You know? You can keep them around. Yeah. Because they're not like A That's take, a good point. They're not taking away any shine and they're also not causing problems. Like Mike Miller's just yeah. like quiet, like, yeah, I'll play one game in the in the finals. I'm good. Here's my shoe team. You got it. Like I, that's not the Tristan Thompson MO. That's I guess that's true. Shay, um, do you think that some teams can be cursed? Do you think that this is like no matter how good the Raptors are in the regular season, no matter how they change their offense, no, no matter how much people are like, damn, DeMar Rosen really took the leap. Like you have to have him in the top five for MVP. No matter what, all of that. They are cursed. They can't beat LeBron. Dwayne Casey can't coach this team beyond this point. I think teams can be cursed. Yes, 100%. That's got to be true. But also, I feel like the the curses are never uh, set in diamond or concrete or whatever hard thing you want to pick. You can get out of it. 
you just need one person to be like, you know what? Fuck this curse. I'm going to do it. That's all you need is one. Uh, and I say that because I saw a similar thing happen in the early 2000s with the Lakers and the Spurs. And the Lakers just shit all over the Spurs every year. And it was so bad. And everybody in San Antonio felt like if we get matched up against the Lakers, we can't win. We just can't beat them. There's, there's something there that won't let us beat them. And then in 2003, that was the year Tim Duncan was like, you know what, I've had enough of this losing. And he just went fucking nuts against everybody. And they even did a thing where whenever Tim would start to get loose, they would put Shaq on him. And they did that, and, and he still just was destroying everybody. And that's all you needed was that one guy to do that. Everybody else just sort of followed behind. All you need is one time for DeMar DeRozan to just give a hard foul to LeBron or hit a shot and, like, do a thing with his hands or scream or something to let everybody else know, like, we're just follow behind this guy. We'll all be afraid, but he's not afraid we'll follow behind him. That's all you need is one guy. And it, I wanted so desperately for DeMar to do it last night, and he just – wouldn't do it and it was breaking my heart. Part of the problem though was that the Raptors seemed to think that Fred Van Vliet was supposed to be doing it. <laughs> he got a lot of yeah, like big time looks. Yeah, considering the fact that he clearly only has one functional shoulder, I might want to mm-hmm. revise that who's the game winning shot taker thing. Demar, I don't know if Demar yeah. has it in him. Like I honestly don't. Have you ever seen a, a number one seed so shook by a trap? Like a trapping defense? <laughs> it was just like <laughs> it was just kind of crazy there. Like I don't know. I guess this is also the first time anyone's seen the Cavs play defense in months. Yeah. So that was that was a little jarring as well. They were there's this whole thing with the Raptors about the usage of of Jonas and whether or not like he's a fourth quarter player. And especially in the playoffs past, Dwayne Casey has gone away from home and they've played a little bit smaller in their wizard series. And especially last night. Jonas had a great kind of, like he had a great third quarter, I think. And he was just really, I think he had like 11 points or something like that in the third quarter. And then as soon as Tristan came back in on him, he shut him down, but Dwayne Casey didn't adjust at all. Is there anything you think Dwayne Casey can do in game two to, to, to split this and to, to hope to go into Cleveland with any, with any hope of, of, of winning this series, Shay? I don't think there's any game strategy that you can do right now. I don't think, I think we're past that point. Because the, the Raptors should have won that game. The game plan they had last night was great. It was perfect. They should have won that game by 13 points. And yet, they just didn't. They go, I think at one point they were like, they missed 15 out of 16 shots yes. from the fourth quarter to overtime. Something crazy like that. Like, Including like seven go, layups. Yeah. Seven like within, you know, and, inside the protected area. Yeah, and a couple, a couple, we have three shots at it. Yes. Lay, yeah. Y- Jonas missed three yeah. in a row. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, so all you need if you just don't go 15 out of 16 misses, just just do 14 out of 16 and you win the game. You know what I'm saying? Like the game plan was fine. They just panicked. And there's, I don't know how you fix panic besides somebody just going like, I'm not going to panic this yep. time. I think the most telling shot in the whole game of probably the whole series of everything was at the end of the fourth quarter when they're, when they're all sort of batting the ball at the rim trying to get it in, the first shot goes, and DeMar gets the rebound, and there's still clearly several seconds left, but he doesn't come down with it. He doesn't try to dribble. He doesn't do anything. He just sort of, like when you're playing 21 and you try to tip the ball back in, yeah. like he just threw it back up there really quickly like he just wanted it out of his hands as fast as possible. Yeah, that to me was, you know what I'm saying? That was like, ugh, this is not good. Yeah, and this is going to be a hard series for Demar because if they if they clog the paint on him 
and sort of take away his like faux Kobe layup moves, it's going to re- really be incumbent upon him to make his own offense somehow, uh, some other way. Now, uh, I think that one thing that we're going to see a lot of, and I don't know about you guys, but um, I usually don't really pay much attention to the refereeing. I find it to just be like, it either all evens out in the end or it's fixed, but either way, I can't do anything about it. But it did seem like the Raptors were really unhappy with the foul well, calls last night. LeBron not getting attacked for shoving Van Vliet is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. That was that was a great because Van Vliet did get attacked on that. But on just that. you should go into the game being like, okay, I'm not allowed to take more than two steps and I'm, LeBron's not going to get a tech. You know? Yeah. LeBron's got like five techs mm-hmm. in his career. That's true. But I will say that's like an, just an egregious like star gets the call. Yeah. Because, like, who is Fred Van Vliet, like, in the history of the NBA? Well, apparently he's the game-winning shot taker for the Toronto (laughs) Raptors. I don't know if you saw the memo. (laughs) I just feel bad for Dwayne Casey. This is like a, that was like a real Casey meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like a real Haralabob game. Yeah. Where it's like, I I didn't even look at Haralabob's Twitter, but I'm sure it's just, like, filling out Dwayne Casey's LinkedIn page for him. Dwayne Casey, retire, bitch. Yeah. Uh, Shay, did you get a chance to watch the Warriors? Of course, I watch every basketball game all the time. Yeah, I watch every basketball team t- game too. It's been a it's a long, long season. Um, <laughs> Steph Curry back. Steph Curry back. Steph Curry is super back. He's not just regular back. Steph Curry is super back. I I, I was and I like, don't understand how you miss several weeks and come back and just start bombing thirty footers like nothing. I was like in the Embiid zone with him though, where like every time someone came like in his general vicinity, I was like, "Fuck, he's gonna get hurt again." Yeah. Like every time Embiid falls, you're just like, "Shit, his career's over." Well, because there were some really hard fouls on on layups, and yeah. there was a couple of breakaways where I felt like Steph was like, "Okay, Andre Iguodala, your turn to jam it in there," because I'm not going up yeah. against, I'm not letting Solomon Hill <laughs> suplex me when I hit. The- they definitely were going for him. Drew Holiday was like, fuck this Steph Curry guy. It's my game. He's he's, he's awesome. like incredible. What he's a fun awesome. subplot of this of this uh, playoffs. The other thing was Draymond had that incredible block on Anthony Davis, which I think is kind of being under celebrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was also like, is Draymond back? Like he had a he had he was back to like 2016 losing the finals, Draymond, getting into fights and also playing really well. Yeah. The bad news for the Pelicans is that the Warriors didn't shoot particularly well. Clay was five for twenty. Yeah. yeah, so they score one hundred and twenty-one. They win by five. It was pretty close, but it never felt like it was that close. Yeah, it was more like, oh, the Warriors aren't playing well, but at least Steph's back. So like, this is a good game for them. Let's talk about from the two games. Uh, we had two incredible uh, sort of off court or on court, but quasi off court drama moments in the Raptors Cavs game. Two emissaries from each team. Kendrick Person Perkins and Drake got into it after the game. Yes. Um, Quick yeah. question about Perk. Yeah. How the fuck did they get him a Tom Brown suit that quickly? <laughs> I don't. He was dressed in the gray suit. I wouldn't be surprised if they took his measurements quite quite a bit earlier. Uh, if that was like on the table that they're going to get Perk in. Whose job do you think it is to, to get the measurements of all the players for their away game suits? <laughs> Kobe Altman. <laughs> <laughs> Just sent Kobe to do it. Um, <laughs> Sorry, back to Perk and Drake. No, yeah, so apparently with the Perk thing, Perk said he was talking trash to Serge Ibaka, and then Drake got involved, and it spilled out till after the game where Drake was, like, following Perkins, and Perkins was still talking, like, pretty aggressive trash. And then all I saw at the end was Drake's, like, M- Mongolian prison guard unit, like, who he has doing his security do, like just surrounding him and making sure nothing popped off and talking to Raptors or Cavs security about it. And then after the game, it was basically just like Kendrick was just like, I told him to sit down and watch the game. And Drake has been getting into it with players throughout the playoffs. He told Kelly Oubre he was a bum. 
He told John Wall that the Raptors were going to win by 20. He sits courtside, talks trash. I'm pretty into it. Do you think he's just drinking pina coladas, or do you think he's a sober trash talker, Shay? Uh, he's a sober trash talker. Okay. For sure. For sure. Um, I, I like this beef. I'm into it. I like it, too. I Also, another thing about Perk, maybe he's there to teach Tristan how to be the enforcer and how to like be the goon, because that's really what Perk is for this team right now. And Tristan could take it if he wants to stay around LeBron, be a little bit more like Perk. I think that's a that's a good observation. If we see Tristan just lay someone out in the next three games, then I think you're exactly right there. <laughs> Do you think Tristan would lay Drake out? <laughs> he would just go go up to Drake that would be, and le- level a bone shattering screen on him. They should do the thing like in the in the football movies when the quarterback says like, "Oh, we need to stop the clock," but I also want to get this guy on the sideline who's been running his mouth and he throws the football at him. Like they should do that, but with Drake and the basketball, and I would that would be the best thing to happen in the playoffs for me. My observation about this is I actually have more respect for Drake because of all of this. Interesting. I wasn't asked if this was a good move for because him. Because I think run. it's actually a bad move. Um, this should be his coronation. <laughs> he has like the number one and number two song in the country, and Kanye is self-destructing in front of our very eyes. Like, there's no competition for Drake right now. He should be being like he should be getting crowned right now. Yeah, but. You can tell he's a true sports fan because he acts like an idiot. It's true. It's like he, he's so he overwhelmed. has everything going for him right now. The God's Plan video is basically just like, come on, this guy is just perfect. Yeah. And then all he does is call Kelly Oubre a bum and get into a like screaming match with Kendrick Perkins. That's what sports fans do. They can't control their emotions. Says the Philly fan over no, here. That's what I'm saying. Is like <laughs> I actually really feel for him because you're so vulnerable. If you truly care about a team, and Drake is, we always make fun of Drake because it's like, oh, Drake likes Kentucky, and then Drake likes this, like you know. But he obviously really loves the Raptors to the point where he is unable to not embarrass himself while he cheers and that's the sign of true sports fandom that's also why people love drake yeah. is because he will be vulnerable at the times when he shouldn't be like he will hit you with yeah. like the best slogan for both instagram and to the person you don't really want to be hooking up with and then also yeah. be a total like goober on the sidelines that is like the magic of drake he makes that possible good fan or bad fan shay drake is the best fan <laughs> And for, you know, for all of the reasons that you that you all are pointing out, like there's no there's no other avenue in life right now where he can be embarrassed. Like he's the best at when it comes to making good rap songs that everybody's going to love. He's the best at doing like little fun, quick cameos as far as rappers go. But in basketball, when he's just on the sidelines, like he's opening himself up to a Reggie Miller, Spike Lee situation where a thing happens in a game. And they just and they just trash Drake for it like that. He's allowing that to happen, and yeah, I think that's great. Like that's what you need from a person who's rooting for your team is you need for them to risk some stuff for you to feel like they're in it with you. I think another really smart move by him in terms of being like the NBA's first fan is never having a high profile guest with him. Never not having like no. Rihanna. No, not having like I don't know anyone. You know who else did that? Who? Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Never. I'm here you, for the game. You're I'm here, not here for the to be game. Seen, I'm, yeah. It's you're here for the game and you're here for yourself. You're and not I'm here to to yell at the opposing yeah. players yes. and scream this at This is refs. not date night. Yeah. This is not a hang. <laughs> I'm not- here for hoops. <laughs> yeah. He might wear like a Star Trek uh windbreaker and everybody's like, oh, Star Trek windbreaker. 
He's not here for the memes, though. He's here to scream at refs. Seriously. Like, it, it would be a great place to debut a girlfriend if you were, like, yeah. someone else. But no. No. Sure. He only has room for diesel-ass jail yard bodyguards <laughs> because that's who he needs to protect himself from the opposing team. He doesn't even bring, like, his best friends. Like, when's the last time 40 went with him to a game? I don't know. Where's Noah? <laughs> I mean, they're just, like, spending all this time together, but not at Raptors games. The other beef from last night was a three-way beef that actually extended to multiple platforms. On the court, it was Draymond Green versus Rajon Rondo Mm -hmm. at halftime, really getting into it. Not shoving or anything, but deeply cursing each other out. And then as it was cutting away at halftime in the TNT show, Charles Barkley said, I wish someone would punch him in the face. I would punch his ass in the face, referring to Draymond. And after the game, Draymond was like, Charles Barkley's seen me a million times. If he wants to approach me, he can approach me. This is one of those bar fights. I used to work, I didn't work like security, but I would like check IDs at this nightclub. You did? Where? At uh, the Middle East in Boston. Oh my God. And How old were you? Uh, like 20. I was going to say, were you even of age? Yeah, I was. I mean, that, you don't have to be 21 to check IDs. Sure. Uh, I think I was 21. But the guys there, like there would be some fights at, at like on nights, there would be some fights where like they would like almost enjoy getting involved because it was like very easy to break up. And then there would be some fights where they would just kind of like be like, you just kind of got to let one of these guys beat the shit out of the other. Because if you get involved, you're just going to get hurt. That's how I feel about Barkley with Draymond. Barkley's TV now, but back in the Philly days, like Barkley like threw a dude through a window, I think. Like Barkley used to get into it. And I don't know about, you know, like I just feel like the Draymond Barkley thing, I have no idea what the roots are of that and why Barkley wouldn't like Draymond because in some ways he's very much like Barkley. Totally. So what do you think about this one, Shay? Um, I think, shoot, you said a lot of words right there. Um, <laughs> I think that the reason Dre, that Barkley doesn't like Draymond is because he's exactly like Barkley was as a player when it comes to the, sort of running your mouth and letting everybody know how you feel. So, of course, those two guys are not going to get along. Like, that's just the way, you know, the, the negative and the negative don't match up on the magnet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They push apart. Same thing here. As far as who would win, I, of course, right now it's got to be Dre just because he's still still playing and also he's got his mom on the on twitter running you know running after everybody as well so give me give me dre in this fight mary babers green or uh, green babers uh instagram or twitter accounts one of the high, one of the one of the shining beacons of nba twitter if you're not following her i don't mm-hmm. know what you're doing what do you think rondo was saying to him i don't know i don't I think, think was, i can imagine any conversation him how you know how are things how are things life? <laughs> how are you you, you know yeah, how's, how's your shoulder? That's great. This is a this is a great series for Draymond because you've got he's got uh, Rondo who is going to push back against them and sort of they're both going to jaw at each other. He needs that, um, but he also is matched up against Anthony Davis and Draymond is always at his best when he's the guy that everybody is expecting to get sort of run over. Which yeah. is why with that block that Juliet mentioned when they AD drove in, Draymond jumps up, blocks it, and then. Nick Young hits a three in the other end of the court four seconds later. Like, that was a perfect Draymond moment right there. That's exactly what you want from Draymond, and that's what he's going to do this whole series. It's great. I also really enjoyed his jacket last night at the post-game presser. I don't know if you saw it. (laughs) But it was like a varsity jacket that was like leather sleeves and I think suede, like body. It was was really good. Mm -hmm. I'm really into the series. I I wanted to ask you guys how how far you think Raps, Cavs will go. Six or seven. Four. Four. Yeah. There's no way it goes six or seven. Okay. Wow. There's no way. I think that they win one Wait. in Cleveland. Crazy. 
Oh wait, wait! I thought you, I thought you said, um, I thought we were talking about Warriors. Oh no, Raps, Cavs. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that goes. Oh yeah, yeah. That one's going six. That one's going six. I believe in AD. I'm going to go with five. Five for Raps for for Warriors. They'll win one in New Orleans. Yeah, I I think so too. That'd be that'd be really cool. I know everyone loves Pop and the uh, in-game interview. Give me Alvin Gentry all the time. He's really he's like got just a great personality. He's rising my my coach power rankings. <laughs> um, Quinn Snyder is definitely the scariest one because Quinn Snyder takes the question super seriously, but looks like Dracula. <laughs> um, I have a lot of thoughts about Quinn Snyder that I'm not ready to share on the mic yet. Okay, so we'll have to revisit that at a later date. I just like <laughs> I have I have a lot of thoughts about Quinn Snyder <laughs> and so many questions. <laughs> Were you a Quinn Snyder fan, Shay? Yes, because he looks, you know what Quinn Snyder looks like? And I don't know if this is offensive or not, but he looks like in the movies when there's an abusive dad. <laughs> that's what he looks like to me. I think that, like, and that's an in, interesting character. I think he's in season abusive dad, out of season, most relaxed, most interesting man in the that's world, right. Dos Equis commercial. We saw him at, at Summer League wearing a deep V-neck black t-shirt. And so tan. Amazing tan and like Flowing tons locks. of like friendship and prayer bead bracelets. And I was just like, let's get this guy on The Bachelor right now. Yeah. Let's go for like he's married. Like, no, he's divorced. I, I don't know if he's remarried, but he was married to Larry Brown's daughter. Oh, right. And I think he was excommunicated like for any, basketball for a while. I like any result. guy who when he, uh, I like any guy who when he starts yelling, his hair comes in his face. Yeah. Me too. That's a good, that's He a could good be the move, first you know? coach to have to wear a hairband. Oh my God. We got to get him Luis Scola some tips on how to manage your hair. Um, <laughs> um, we've waited too long. Let's talk about the Kawhi Leonard scandal. Yesterday, yeah. it's not new, obviously. It's, it's, been, it's been torturing Shay for months. Yesterday, a new article from Michael Wright and Ramona Shelburne came out. Quite lengthy. A lot of interesting tidbits. And it does not make things with Team Kawhi, or as Coach Pop says, Kawhi's group... <laughs> seem um particularly rosy how are you what's your let's do an emotional heat check how are you feeling about this uh shay serrano after reading that story i feel very 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 the worst it's felt but i was able to talk myself up into reading that story i was able to talk myself into it being just just Kawhi is not used to handling these kinds of situations he doesn't know what to do he, he doesn't know the best like course of action so he's just not going to do anything as far as uh any sort of public statement but then the story came out, and I go like, "Oh, he's he's leaving. He's obviously leaving. This is all bad." So I thought the medical stuff was interesting. That there's like a dispute about like sort of how to like how his muscle has been rehabilitated. Yeah, I thought that the article was specifically trying to imply that he's consorting with um, doctors that have other affiliations by mentioning that the Mount Sinai doctor is affiliated with the Sixers. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like a little bit misleading because doctors have a lot of affiliations. Like sure. that's like part of being a doctor is like you are affiliated with this hospital, you're affiliated with this team. Of course, it's not like, you don't. I don't think that the Spurs are probably happy that he's talking to a Sixers doctor, but it's not like he's like going to Brian Colangelo for a second opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was while not great, also a, l- a little misleading and kind of like trying to imply something, trying to imply something about his future. It gets a little dicier when we dig into the the great Uncle Dennis, uh, or some might call him great, some might not, and sort of how Kawhi is being managed. And I think that um, there's been a lot of like confusion around what Pop means when when he says Kawhi's the group. group. Yeah. And now we know that a lot. It's, it's two. It's two men. One of whom is Uncle Dennis Dennis Robertson, who is his maternal uncle, 
and Kawhi is really close with um, ever since his father passed away. And I think you could certainly understand why he would trust a family member and someone who stepped in at a time when he really needed, you know, needed like sure. a, a parent figure or whatever. Um, but then it gets a little wonky when you find out that Kawhi uh, is with an agency that seems to be not that vibrant or thriving impact sports. And um, it's, there's a quote in here saying it's like undergoing a rebrand and many of its clients or Kawhi at least have invested in real estate uh, in well, this, he, his uncle on, with uh, it's under his uncle's name. They've invested in six apartments on Madison Avenue and in, in Harlem in New York. And so that is kind of confusing. Um, and there's just a lot of questions about like who, what is this organization? And they've been subjected to other um, litigation already from other players and whatnot. And it just doesn't seem like, I actually thought the most damning piece of this is that they wanted to be involved with Clutch Sports and wanted to have like an LRMR. Like a, a, jo- a joint thing, yeah. Yeah, and Clutch was like, no, thank you. Right. That's kind of weird. Right. I actually think that would be a, you would think in a vacuum that would be a good partnership for um, LeBron. Anyway, this Uncle Dennis wrinkle makes things a little bit more complicated for the Spurs, right, Shay? Yeah, it makes it. The more people you have in in a person's ear, the trickier it gets because now you've got to convince three people now instead of just Kawhi. You know, you've got to convince Uncle Dennis. You've got to convince uh, his agent, Frankel. You've got to convince Kawhi as well. And then we're just adding more and more pieces. There's more names that get brought in, the, the murkier it gets. And the worst it starts to feel. This to me feels like when you are, you know what TV shows I like? The judge shows like Judge Mathis, yeah. Judge Joe Brown, these sort of shows. This feels like when there's a person there and they show up and it seems like this case is very clearly, here's what happened. And then they just keep on saying more and more names and more and more things happen. And then you just realize this whole side is a, is a wreck. So I can't rule for them. That's what it feels like to me when I'm learning all of this stuff. It feels like everything around Kawhi right now is too turbulent to feel comfortable and it's bad the reason why i think this would have been going differently if Kawhi had been with an agent with so one of the things that's sort of troubling here is that it doesn't sound like impact has that many other nba clients is that correct correct the other ones they had they had taurine um prince who Who left left. and will barton damian lillard's best friend who also left so when you have an agent who has many clients throughout the league that agent is incentivized to keep relationships with certain with teams yes. on a good good standing because who knows when agent X let's say he so Kawhi's agent is agent X and he's dealing with Greg Popovich and RC Buford and if if everything goes wrong with Kawhi but he has two other players on the Spurs and maybe a free agent coming up that the Spurs might be interested in and he's going to represent some kid that the Spurs might draft it's in his best interests to keep things cordial because they want to continue to do business with Kawhi and outside of Kawhi. If the only person this person is representing is Kawhi, then they can go for broke right here. They might be thinking, this is it. This is like Kawhi's prime. We want him to have the biggest possible Nike deal or shoe deal or whatever. And we want to put him in the biggest possible media market to get as many endorsement contracts as possible. This is the this is it. This is the money earning season. And they may feel like that's not going to be the case in San Antonio. The other thing that jumped out at me about the article, Shay, and as a longtime Spurs fan, I wanted to hear you talk about it, is it seems like one of the major problems within the Spurs locker room maybe could be that Manu and Tony kind of expected Kawhi to f- like step up and be the next generation of like Spurs lifer 
foundational star who teaches the younger Spurs how to do things. And the fact that Tony Parker has like repeatedly kind of gone to bat for the Spurs medical team and talked about how like he came back from his quad injury in nine months because the Spurs medical team is so good. And they seem a little bit more like disappointed about this whole thing. Speaks a lot about like just kind of how much this threw the the whole franchise for uh, a loop. Yeah. Again, it's all bad. But we have been, they've been telling us for the last, I don't know, three years, four years or so, Kawhi's the one who's stepping in and taking over the, we've had, we had David, we had Tim, and now we have Kawhi. Like that's the, that's the path of arrows that we've been led to believe is happening. So everybody was expecting it to happen. And it just, it's all falling apart and you're watching it fall apart. And to have not only Tony Parker take shots at you in the media, which go through any part of his career, even when he had all this crazy stuff happening, or even when he was dating a movie star or TV star, like that just never happened. But you've got that. You've got Pop all of a sudden who never ever, he's like the last person you'd ever expect to take a shot at somebody. And he's very obviously taking shots at, at Kawhi and Kawhi's team. Like it's just, this is all new stuff for me. As a Sixers fan, you're probably used to this, Christopher. Oh, yeah. All of this this violence in your airplane <laughs> shaking around. Yeah. But for me, I'm terrified. This is my first flight where the plane shakes, and I am convinced 100% we're going to crash into a mountain. Well, we'll see if Captain Pop can level it out. Shay, thank you so much for joining us today on the Ringer NBA show, uh, Unmodified Sources Say. We'll be back tomorrow night with group chat after uh, six, Sixers, Celtics, and Cavs Raps Game 2. Uh, keep listening. Ringer NBA show is going uh, pretty much all the time, all week long. We'll be with you. Until next time, for Juliet and for Shay. See you later. Yeah. <laughs>